This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Oh, yeah. So how gratifying is having your screenplay obviously get nominated, but also your actors, characters you created also share in kind of the joy? Uh, yeah. When I sat down to write this in 2002, uh, that wasn't a thought in my mind that it would end up as uh, an Alexander Payne movie with Bruce Dern and, and all the great cast that he assembled. Uh, and then to make the awards circuit, I was just trying to get read in Hollywood, maybe get a TV job, and if I was lucky, get a $2 million movie made, which was where the producers and I started with this in 2003 when they first optioned it. And for me, I mean, you mix comedy and drama so well, and I look at the cemetery scene where June Squibb is belting one-liners, and Bruce Stern is almost crying. Yeah. That, is that a way, when you approach a scene like that, did you think about it from each character's point of view, or did you start with one and then develop the other? Uh, I did a little bit, yeah. I, I could have imagined uh, that, that Woody would be silent during all of this. But Alexander Payne, is really, in his directing of that scene, really brought home... The, the convergence of the comedy and the, the pathos uh, of, of Bruce Stern's character, uh, tr- reliving his past, just standing there listening to Kate uh, talking. And as he said earlier in the movie, I don't want to go to Hawthorne. And that's probably one of the reasons that kind of uh, yeah. Now, do you have the compressor back or no? We never, you know, the, the air compressor is a real story. Uh, my dad uh, used to loan out his tools and never see him again. He loaned out his air compressor, and if the guy who has it, you know, 40-some years later, bring it back now, please. (laughs) Thank you so much, and we really look forward to next Friday with you. I really appreciate you coming out to us. Hi, we're doing an event with Bob Nelson next week. He's going to talk to the screenwriting students at UC Santa Barbara. So, yeah, we want to ask you a question. So when you first read the script, what really drew you to your character? Well, I I think that it's so sparse. And whatever he has down there means something. I mean, it's not a lot of verbiage, you know. And I just felt that she was a wonderful lady. And I really knew her. I mean, I felt when I read her that I knew who she was. I knew why she was doing what she was doing. The cemetery scene is the one that really grabbed me emotionally because Bruce Stern's about to cry, and you're just being hysterical. That was such a great marital dynamic. Is that something you worked with Bruce to develop, or did you? No, in fact, that was the first scene I shot. So, And I yelled at Alexander, this is hard. He said, well, we'll do it, we'll do it, don't worry. And we did, of course you always do. But, I mean, to be faced with that on my first day. And Bruce and Will had done some scenes together, so they were a little closer than I was with them. But it was wonderful. I mean, from day one, it was that script and Alexander, they meshed. They really did. And how exciting is sharing all the Oscar nominations with all your great collaborators? <laughs> it's great. We go, you know, we go and we have a whole table of Nebraskans, and it's wonderful. Thank you so much, and good luck tonight. Thank you so much. That's great. So, uh, congratulations on the win. How far does it? Now, someone who comes from the background Breaking Bad, myself being, you know a Christmas dealer. It's easy for me to get into that character, but how was it for you trying to get into this world? <laughs> um, you know, it was definitely, it could be a little trying, but 
I think the thing about Breaking Bad is that it wasn't really a show about crystal meth. It was a show about a guy who felt desperate and up against a wall. And, you know, that's something that almost everybody has felt. So that was really kind of my entree into it. It wasn't about the drugs. It was about, gosh, wouldn't it be great to just say, you know, screw it and do what you want to do. So... Now, do you enjoy writing a tragic character? Because you know it's not going to end well. But the but the idea of kind of like exploring the darker side or a character falling. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to write about happiness. It's, you know, there's not that much to say. You know, I write in my diary when I'm sad. I don't really write in my diary when I'm happy. So it's always fun to write a... It's, it's more fun to write something about, you know human frailty and falling it doesn't seem fun but i think that's where you get the most drama you know? and of course the characters are so well defined that it allows you to kind of get deeper into them and go maybe further you can't go like on a feature film exactly you have you know we had what 60 hours to to really get to know these characters and and you really get to know these characters with that amount of time well congratulations thank and thank you so much go, go graduate on the win it's so wonderful Congratulations on the win, of course. Thank you. What was the biggest challenge for you translating this real-life you know, character to the screen? Well, he was in that lifeboat for four days with those guys, and we had to compress it into about 45 minutes of screen time. So it was about event choices, like picking what, what is the right way to tell that particular story. There was a wealth of material there. And then, of course, the Tom Hanks scene at the end was painful. How was it for you to write? Because you knew the sheer terror he was feeling, which you and I, of course, would. The credit for that scene, I'd love to take it. But that's, that's Paul Greengrass, a brilliant director, and Tom Hanks, a stupendous actor. They Thank get the you. credit for that. Thank you. Congrats. Thank you Congrats. So, uh, you, it, so Simpsons is kind of a new show. It's there's that, there's like, I think what there's like, are you, are, are, about you know, is a pilot doing well, or do you think it's playing well? The testing has not been good. <laughs> the testing has not been good, but we have we have a feeling that it'll pull through. Uh, yeah. I recommend Bart maybe cutting the character of Bart. I, just, I, I, just. I can see keeping Bart, but the Homer guy has it done. Oh yeah. yeah. No. Uh, so, how exciting is it? there? How many episodes are you out now? Uh, well, we're about to have our 550th air. Of course, we're writing. We're probably written about 575. How gratifying is that this show is still strong. It's still, you guys have, it's still amazing writing and still amazing voice acting. It's uh, phenomenal. It's never unprecedented and um, whatever, happy, thrilled, lucky to be part of it. Any thoughts of making them older? Uh, all the time. We've done a lot of flash forward episodes where we've <laughs> yeah, exactly. seen them older, um, we've seen them younger, we've seen every permutation of them. Um, so I don't know. I doubt it though. How about that? Is that the answer you want? I just want to make great. you happy. No, all I, I want to do is make happy. you happy. Uh, Tonight is about you. <laughs> yeah. about you. Okay. Thank you so much right, and enjoy the win. All right. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Marshall, of course. How are you? How are you? Thank you so much. Thank you so much for doing this. So you started. You broke your she teeth. Has no camera. No, we're yeah. on that camera. Oh, we're in that yeah, camera. My, I, I pretty good. Of course. Are. That's How why we. Yeah, that's why the drive see we have the in two between. students. There are students. Students. Uh, so you broke your teeth on shows like the Dick Van Dyke Show. How was it working with those comic masters, helping you kind of mentor in your career? Well, that's where I first started. I worked for. I, very blessed. I worked for Dick Van Dyke Show. Carl Ryan was one of my mentors, and I also worked for Lucy, who was doing the Lucy Show after Desi had left. So I had two great teachers, and uh, so uh, they moved me up, and now I'm here, winning a prize. <laughs> and now, in a way, you taught a lot of the also talent. You mentored talent like Ron Howard. 
yeah. you know, Penny Marshall and Henry Winkler, how was that to kind of give it back to comedy, what you got? Well, Penny, my mother called and said Penny wasn't dating well, so I should get her a job. So she was special and very funny lady, a great director also. But Ron Howard and Henry Winkler was giving me the award. He's presenting yeah. me the award tonight. And uh, all those kids were great because uh, they grew up. My theory was they can't do one thing. This business is a little too fickle. So you got to act, you got to write, you got to direct. So they all moved around, and they all did well. Thank you so much, and have a great time tonight. Thank you so much for spending time. Thank you. So 40th anniversary of Happy 40th Days. 40th anniversary. So when you first read Where's this... my walker? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. When you first read the script, what, what made you like, no, I no, love no. Fonzie? No, 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 no. It's not a matter of meeting the script. I came to Hollywood one week before I got the audition. Oh. I got the audition three weeks after I arrived in Hollywood. I didn't care if it was a cat commercial. <laughs> I was so happy. I only had one line. You know, I only, it was a very small part. And it grew. It, and you're lucky enough to talk to me. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Aren't you thrilled? I, I grew up on the show. Loved it to you, death. You grew up very well. You look good in a blue shirt. Thanks. You should only know that off camera are two gorgeous girls. And I am so happy. <laughs> They're my student producers. Uh, come on camera for a second, guys. Come on. Say, uh, we're going to... Caroline and Haley. What is it? Caroline, Haley. Haley, look at the camera. Are you are you at school? Yes. What grade? I'm a senior. I'm a sophomore. A sophomore. Yeah. Isn't that fabulous? What do you want to do? Um, something in film. Shocking. <laughs> um, I want to be a cinematographer. You do. Yes. Very important. Yes. Because without you, we can act and no one sees it. No one sees it. Holy mackerel. Yes. Thanks, ladies. Thank what you, a thank pleasure. You. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you want to give, give, me, give me one great question. One great question. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, how was it reteaming with Ron Howard, your buddy from Happy Days, to do Night Shift? He said I could play either role. And I thought, well, I've played the Fonz, which was kind of like Billy Blaze. I'm going to play Richie. And so Chuck, I based Chuck on Ron. Ron is, he knew when he was 16 that he was going to be a director, but did not know that he was going to be a billion-dollar director. So, Ron, you've only hired me one. Oh, no, this is not, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. What no, is? no, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 I, no I, I'm, let's no, talk to Ron. I'm not we're, begging, I'm we're, not begging here. We're inviting Ron Santa to the Barbara. of course, too, so oh, we'll, we'll want Ron to come. Okay, no, I'm, it's okay. <laughs> But I love Gary Marshall. Gary Marshall is the deal. I'm here tonight at the Writers Guild because Gary Marshall gave me my life. He was the one who believed in me. I was a short Jew. He was looking for a tall Italian. <laughs> um, I had a sweat stain in, under my arm that was embarrassing, and I had hair down on my shoulders. And somehow through all of that... He saw Arthur Fonzarelli. God bless you, Gary Marshall. That's the best way to end this. Thank you, Mr. Winkler. Thank you so much.
How are you? <laughs> you can see we're here with your our lovely students. All the way back. Alyssa the one working with you on uh, in treatment event. I love that. We're doing. You guys are great. It's great. Uh, so let me let me get this straight. You're president of the DGA. You're executive producer of Sons of Anarchy. You direct a lot of TV. How do you find time to eat, sleep, and breathe? This is a very good question. Uh, my family calls my two-year service in the guild two years a slave because I'm here three or four times a week. Uh, we just finished negotiations, which was incredibly time-consuming. Uh, and what I, I've decided to do is I've decided to make a commitment to the guild that so made a commitment to me. When I was a young filmmaker, I had some situations where the guild had to help me out. And so I've decided to give back, and this time, now that I'm more established, to say thank you by helping to bring new people in and helping to guide the guild into the next generation. That's my question. This year, there's a lot of international flavor to the Guild nominations. Frozen was co-directed by Jennifer Lee, a woman. Is it a sign that the Guild is opening up to more different voices coming into Hollywood and maybe inspire our students to pursue it? Well, it's a good question. We don't actually cover animation, so the animation directors are not part of the Directors Guild, I'm sad to say. But in all the other categories, you'll see, and you'll see in tonight's event, that women and minorities are stepping up. And it's not because they're women and minorities and they're getting special advantages. They're just making great films. Steve McQueen and Catherine Bigelow before them, they're breaking barriers because they're fantastic, you know, as filmmakers. So I think you're going to see more and more of that as time goes on. And you think when students, younger students like ours, see that, they say, you know what, I can do it. That's what I hope will be the case. I hope people will see that. It's not that we're trying to be trailblazers, but finally the ceiling is cracking a little bit and hands are reaching through. So it's an important time. And I noticed like a lot of the nominees are not exactly $250 million blockbusters. So there's a hope that a small movie like 12 Years a Slave will now get voices in the future. No, but you have also noticed that even these smaller films are getting bigger audiences than they ever have before. And people are starting to find them and starting to say, hey, that's a great film that isn't necessarily at every megaplex that we know. So, But it is making a profit for the studios, too, though. So it's like a gift both ways. It's a fantastic time. And I think it's, it's sad a little bit because there's only really big films and then the smaller films that are getting made now. There's not as much middle ground. And I wish we would get back to those films that are kind of in the mid-level of the scene. Well, it was great talking to you, and I'll see you next month. Enjoy your time. That'll be great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Paris. Hi. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, my general question is, you had such a short production schedule. How did you keep the cast loose in such an intense drama? For that particular reason. It was a short, it was a pressure cooker. Uh, we didn't have a lot of time, but it's not, I mean, I, I, you know, it's kind of strange, because I'm, I'm not... I shot the movie 35 days with, with, with one camera, but that's normal for me. That wasn't so much. That wasn't so much of a task because it's about the movie. And when you work with an actor multiple times, like Michael Fassbender, does it help? Do you have such trust with each other? You feel like you can just push yourself creatively? Yeah, like my DP, I've been working with him for 13 years, so it's more of a, a nod and a wink than any kind of long conversation. So you're totally in sync, so that makes it easier. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you for that. Hi, Mr. Ryan. We're from UC Santa Barbara. Nice to we have see a, you. I see you. Uh, question is, 25th anniversary of Harry Met Sally. Look it is? Wait a minute. 89. 89. That's right. Yeah. 25th anniversary. So, recollecting how special experience it was working with Nora Ephron on such a beautiful script and story. Well, that was a great experience. I mean, I don't think I could have made that film without her. 
obviously. I mean, I certainly knew what I felt about men and women, but I certainly needed a woman's point of view, and she's one of the most brilliant, uh, observational uh, and rela- uh, writers about relationships. Uh, my students had one big question for you. What line do fans come up to you the most for Princess Bride, reciting Princess Bride for you? Um, I would say from Princess Bride, it's either uh, you killed my father, prepared to die. My name is Inigo Montoya. Uh, a lot of times it's just inconceivable <laughs> or never get involved in a land war in Asia. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mr. Ryan. Enjoy tonight. So this, this book has been on the shelf a long time, uh, and it's, it hasn't found the light of day. Once Scorsese was signed on, did you feel you had the trust this would work out? I, I, absolutely. It was never a doubt. I mean, to be clear, the movie, I mean, the, the book came out in 06, I think it was, and Leo and Marty tried to make it way back then, and it fell apart and it died. We reinvigorated it and got the team back together, and once we did, it was it was material they were already so close to, and they were shooting it in his hometown, so it, we felt like we were in really good hands. And you know, when we got the rights to the book and the script, you know, they were, Mario was off to do Hugo, and there was talk about other directors and other names, but Leo was very adamant about Marty. Marty's the only guy who can do this because he's got that the ability to strike a fine balance between the dark world and the comedic side of the dark world as well. So we were very confident when Marty got And the fact that they work together so much, they have such trust in each other, that kind of, that kind of show on set for you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think where it shows the most is they're not afraid to go outside their comfort zones yep. and really go for it. And, and, and you know, and not, not only that, they're very inclusive of new actors. So when, when Jonah joined, he was immediately inducted into the crew as well. As well as Matthew McConaughey, as well as us, and, there, and one thing that's I think a misconception about Marty is he's extremely inclusive and collaborative. He loves yeah. feedback and he loves to hear your thoughts. And you know, for us as the new guys, seeing the, it was a little intimidating going in with these. You know, they had a long, long run together. It, it was great, though. Yeah, I've done a few events with Marty, and I've never seen somebody that loves movies as much as he does. Oh, he's a cinephile <laughs> through and through. He, he truly does. Just like, just and like, not, and, yeah. not just movies, but world cinema. Yeah. He 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 has his much knowledge about obscure indie Polish films as he does about Americano. He's he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. Wealth of, of information. You just want to have him for yourself and just let him talk about movies for the whole day. You <laughs> yeah, have the, a great. The time. funny thing is, he'll bring something up about you know an obscure movie from 1930 in another country, and he'll look at you like you should know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and you're kind of <laughs> like, um, I don't know, Marty. Uh, I'm gonna have to Google you, that when the, one. When the rare time he chooses a movie that you do happen to know, it's actually massive problem. Yeah, it's great. And when you're adapting a real story, how do you balance like creative license and accuracy? You know, well, Jordan, obviously, he was a consultant to Leo on the film, and we had the two books to go by, so we had a really good roadmap. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, as far as bringing it to life and the embellishments and, you know, compositing some characters, that that's Marty's real, that, that that's what he's best at, is, is making unique characters pop on the screen. So, I mean, really, I think that just comes down to pushing the actors and the collaborative efforts on the, on the, on the set. Yeah, I mean, philosophically, artistically as well, we made a decision to be as authentic to the world as possible, sure. not pull any punches and show all the world its hedonism, debauchery, and not to whitewash any of it. Well, thanks so much. Enjoy tonight. My question is, so you have a movie that takes place in outer space. Well, most of the characters die in Act 1. As a producer, that just freak you out? 
Um, you know, when you work with a director like Alfonso, you know you're going to be part of something extraordinary and that it's not going to be conventional. There's very little about gravity that's conventional in a sense. You know, it's, it's a movie with two actors in their, two characters in their late 40s. That's unusual. Um, it takes place in space, one character for an hour of the movie. It's, um, she's behind a visor for a huge portion of it. Her voice compressed because she's speaking through a microphone um, in a spacesuit for a huge portion. So there are many reasons why one would say no. But fortunately, um, you know, the film is about adversity. We experienced some adversity, but we got there in the end. And uh, you know, working with Alfonso, as I say, you know, you're going to be part of something extraordinary. And what did you see in Sandra Bullock that made you say, you know, I know she could do this? Oh, she's a brilliant actress. Um, several things. One, she brings experience. Um, she's a woman. She's not a girl. She's a woman. She's lived a life. The film is in part about grief. She's experienced tough times. She's incredibly sympathetic and is able to convey truth with very little. Through her eyes alone, as she has to in this film, she conveys all the range of emotions that are required. The audience loves her. She's also incredibly disciplined. And because of the nature of the way this film was made, which was very technical and required her to hit certain marks, her dancer experience, which we were unaware of at the time, oh. came in incredibly useful. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks so much. Good luck tonight. Uh, we do an online screenwriting show, TV show. So my question is, how special was it developing this story with your son? That was fundamental. I have to say, he injected a new energy in my filmmaking. He uh, kind of stripped all my prejudices. You know, I said, hey, come on, it's, it's a right to, to be fun. You know, it was fantastic. And compared to Children of Men, it, was Gravity a, a different process to you since you had such a bigger budget, or do you approach the film the same way? No, you approach each, each film, no matter the, 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 the budget, the same way. You know, it's about, uh, it's about the thematics of the film, then about the emotional arcs, the work with the actors, and more important is how you're going to convey that in a, in a cinematic way. Thank you so much, and good luck tonight. Thank good you night. so much. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.